What's up, guys? You are listening to the Toge Hour podcast. My name is Wade Best, owner of 129 Toge, and joining me are some of the area's most known individuals in the mountain pass scene. Here, we discuss the presence of US 129's Toge scene and the endless changing cycle of motorsport-related news. Shout out to our sponsors, JZL Track Days for HPDE. We have Eurospec LLC for your European maintenance and alignment needs. We have Toge Motorsports for any part, any oil, any service that you need. Hit them up with an email, and we also have Carbon Candy for aerodynamic parts. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to Season 3, Episode 1 of the Toge Hour. We're back. We're missing the alignment man tonight. He is exhausted. He's got to take care of his hair. It's been a long day. Like I said, he's the most beautiful alignment man in this nation. East of Mississippi. In the nation? In the nation. Maybe even in the world. So. He, uh, I was there with him today, and he had a terrible day, end of the day at work. It, I mean, it was bad. Yeah, he was... Something that should have taken, you know, an hour and a half ended up taking him from, like, 4 o'clock until 7.30, pretty much. Long nights at the shop. But, mm. guys, today we're going to be talking about all kinds of facts, all kinds of news, all kinds of unfortunate events that have been going on in the car community. And, uh, Pike's Peak. Pike speak was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. So, uh, without a further ado, to my right is Austin Simons. He's eating a Chick Fil A sandwich. Hey, how's it going, guys? It's uh, very delicious. Yeah. <laughs> what do you got there? Chicken. You got a well. You already ate your sandwich. Yeah, um, no, he's still got a little bit left. In he his has hand. a Chick Fil A sandwich, fries, Polynesian sauce, and a medium lemonade. So, not bad. Good order choice. That's solid. Very me. Very Miata order choice. Yeah. It's simple. simple. It's all about the simplicity. Simple and easy. Uh, to his right, I know you guys can't see us, and I know we said that we were going to record this episode, but uh, under some certain circumstances, we're in a really tight area tonight. <laughs> yeah. So, But the we're video sitting. will still be out on YouTube for you guys to listen to as you go. Um, we have Sean Wilson-Smith. What's up? Mr. JDM in a box. What'd you call him? Like, uh, shipped over from shipped Japan? Over, shipped over here from Japan. In a Narita dog pie box. That's yeah. me. That's that guy. <laughs> What's up, guys? So yeah, he can get us all kinds of sorts, all sorts of stuff. I hadn't ordered something from them in a while. God, they man. need to restock, man. Well, they, they do. I seen where they recently did their uh, their seats the, again. Oh, those seats are. I want one so bad. I don't even have. Doesn't a, Amber have some? She's got two yeah, of them. Got, oh, yeah. she got. Oh yeah, man, it's Amber. She's getting two of those. You if know you guys are like into JDM stuff, you should check out Narita Dogfight. Not only for the store, but the blog posts are very like uh, it's in depth. It, it, yeah, it's very Speed Hunters esque. Mm-hmm. But whoever that is that runs Narita Dogfight, Sh- uh, Sean is his name. Of course, it is. You? Is it you? No. Is it, is it <laughs> the yeah. that's here on the podcast? Ship yourself over here. But yeah. he's so involved in the culture over there. He gets access to so many different things. It's if you don't know about Narita Dogfight, definitely go check yeah, it out. Yeah, check it out. Some really interesting content page. I love their uh, Instagram page. Just how clean everything is. Yeah, it's oh, super dude. good. So nice. Uh, I haven't went through everyone's kind of titles tonight, but we have the Miata Man. I haven't forgot about you. Eh. How are you I'm doing? E- Thomas to Couch, for- everybody? I'm easy to forget about sometimes, but most of the time I'm just here. Hey, you bounce back. Yeah, that's so. right. Can't win them all, baby. Can't win, can't them, all. win them all. Is your Miata still running okay? It's sitting outside. Oh, yeah. But yeah it's, well, the people can't I mean, see it. Yeah. <laughs> but no, the Miata's uh, outside. I've got probably close to 2,200 miles on it now. Oh, my God. Yeah. Drives <laughs> he drives more than I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in like three weeks or three yeah like three weeks i've put 2100 miles on that car any issues no issues 
Shout out to whoever did your swap. Yeah, so shout out to uh, my Mad Mike Tuning and Garage over in uh, Maryville, Alcoa, Tennessee's area. Yeah. Uh, he's literally over there behind the food city. When I worked in uh, Middle Tennessee, there was also a shop called Mad Mike. Mm-hmm. Sketchiest shop I've ever been to. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> So if you guys know a Mad Mike, give him a so, shot. Then there's the, then <laughs> there's very different the, Mad Mike. Yeah, th- the this, Mad Mike. Yeah, this, this guy's guy. name is Michael. Uh, Michael Smith does fantastic work. The, when he he pulled the the engine apart to do the uh, balance shaft and everything for the engine, he's like, "Dude, this engine is stupid clean." I was like, "Good." The Mad Mike I know wanted me to get him some uh, junction fittings for brake lines. What? And went over there, and he was trying to put it right. Like, literally, when I say right off, I mean, like, an inch or maybe two inches at most mm-hmm. off of the um, off of the uh, the high-pressure uh, brake valve. Oh, no. Yeah, like... Oh, no. Sketchy. I'll, you, we don't have the size. Are you sure? Did you check? Yeah, I checked. Yeah. We're just not going to... We're just going to go with the... I checked and I did it because I'm not letting you do this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll no, so it's he, worth it. He mainly does stuff like... Uh, Oh crap! What is it? He he mainly does a lot of like LS tuning and LS building and stuff, but he does also take on some import import stuff such like my Miata. He's got an R32 in there right now that he's doing an engine on. The guy ended up driving to New York to get an engine for that car. Dang, that's all. That is all. It's a Nissan haul. Yeah. And last Speaking but not least, over there. Sorry to cut you off. Last but not no. least, over there, our unofficial. Haggerty man. Unofficial. I'm employed with them. Oh, yeah. Sorry. (laughs) Unofficial to us. (laughs) Is it just because I drive regular traffic now? Is Is it because you're here in a Volkswagen? Hey, I will say I am loving that thing, but I am thinking about replacing it. What you going to get? So. (laughs) So, well, I've I want to build this K86, right? Right. I priced it out. And I'm talking, like, everything to the nut and bolt. I went through all the forums, what everyone ends up having to replace in order. Came out to, like, $52,000. But that is that is for a 300-wheel horsepower K24. Built from Four Pistons Racing. Like, they build it and they ship it to you. And the dyno for that car is 300-wheel, 210 torque. With a K24 that revs to 8,300 RPM. <laughs> This would be like it for me. I would build this car and just be done. Because everyone loves the 86, except for the it, whatever gen you have, the engine. Yeah. It's either the FA20 and it's down on torque and horsepower, or it's the FA24 and it blows up. That sounds like, for $50,000, that sounds like one hell of a Corvette. That sounds like one hell of a podcast episode, and I would definitely rather have a K86 than a Corvette. Oh, that's interesting. Well, that, well cars C- are subjective, C6 right? Corvette? Oh, yes. No. It's too right big. The goals of a K86 <laughs> and the goals of a C6 Corvette are different for me. One delivers beer, one delivers tofu. <laughs> but, I think we all know which one I choose. <laughs> but, so, I was looking at potentially, instead of going down that road, just having a do-it-all car. Yeah. And so I went back down the rabbit hole of what car would I get if I could only have one car to do everything. Because even if I had a K86 right now, I'm working so much that I would have, like, no time to drive it. So, C6. When I, I can't have a C6 as my everyday car. <laughs> For me specifically, the car needs to be 2022 and newer. Hey, if you get in the golfing, you're covered. A what? Golfing. If you get in the golfing. 
Speaking of golf, I looked at a new GTI. Oh, nice. I, I really, like, I really dumped on the Golf R because they're just not enjoyable and they're awful on the inside. The new one, not like a Mark 7 or 7.5. I'm talking about 2023 and up. Yeah. They're just not good on the inside. They have slide buttons for the volume. Oh, not God. like click buttons, but like you swipe like mm-hmm. like you're on Tinder when you're adjusting the volume. Oh. Yeah. And it's it's miserable. Swipe but, right for more. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, I'm here. If you guys need track day insurance, check out Haggerty. Yep. It's pretty interesting info. Be cool to see in a golf. It'd be nice. Uh, but talking about production cars, uh, what about right off the gate before right we jump into Pikes Peak stuff? Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. You're not going to drop your news? Oh, not yet. The, you what should leave it. We're, this is season three. You this gotta is the, the season three cliffhanger of the year. Are we not going to talk about it at all? Oh, the Watts? No. Your other cliffhanger. Oh, okay. All right. All right. We just want to talk about that. No. Fine. Go ahead. No, but season three news, Toyota 86 oil issues. You're going around the track. You got 50 PSI. Next thing you know, you're 20. There's a rod making some noise. What is going on? All right, these people Wait, are running oil is, coolers. Is that a new development? This so is, yeah, so with the, with the second gens. I feel like I've researched a lot about this, and I can at least speak on it a little. So I know the guy nine hundred BRZ is yep. his Instagram. Him and like three of his friends. There's a specific part, and I have it on my phone. There's a specific part you can get to where you can read. You're like, and, and it's, you can do this with a gauge, whatever, and read your oil pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Gerald Just Projects IO box is what they used. And it's a very accurate way to measure oil pressure. They did it in two different places on the engine in three different cars. And they went around like Streets of Willow. One went around Thunder Hill. Uh, and I forgot the other track. I think it was like Button Willow. And they were seeing over right hand turns, whether it was fast, slow, immediate throttle input like progressive throttle input like 40 psi dips in oil pressure what on the new eight six? on the new uh, eight on, on the you're seeing like 67 to 27 psi and it's only right hand turns no it's a lot but primarily oh, right primarily you, you're seeing down to about 35 on left handers well, you know we live in america we only do left hand turns that's so fine well, everyone's like, oh, like jokingly saying, like, they built a NASCAR. Yeah. So <laughs> is, that, is that because of where the oil pickup is in the oil pan? Or so is that... The design of the pan under any type of G-force mm-hmm. just ramps all the oil into the timing cover. Oh. And it can only seal so much. And there's yeah, this yeah. little hole that's like, I mean, an, like a quarter of a millimeter in diameter to where oil can get into the timing cover. And not come back out, right? Because it gets ramped in there, yeah. and it's almost like a flap, right? So it gets in there, but it can't come so back. So it's almost like a one-way valve. That's what was failing on, on the cam gears. Yes, on right. car models. Yes, and so they went and did all these these reports, and two of the cars had oil coolers. One did not. One ran zero twenty. One ran five thirty. One ran five forty. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and every single I'm, car was doing the same thing. And every single car, and now since then. <laughs> The drive got hold of it. Motor Trend got hold of it. Good. And then Toyota comes out the very next day and they're like, next 8.6 is not being developed with Subaru. And they dropped the yeah. whole thing about the the GR Corolla engine, the 1.6 or the 1.4 and the hybrid. It's all theoretical. But And then Subaru comes out and they say, 
instead of saying, man, this is a crazy development that we didn't do this R&D testing, so we should cover these engines. They, 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 come out, the- they come out and they're like, we will continue to only warranty abused engines. Abused engines? Abused engines. And that is up to the dealer's discretion. Now, keep in mind, my engine blew and I it never saw a track. No, it did not. And and Toyota gave me some shtick before they... And I made the post and I was like, Toyota handled it. I walked into the dealership when my car got dropped off from the tow truck. I walked in with a GoPro in one hand and my voice memos recording on my phone. I went full Karen and I walked straight to the service manager and I said, dude, we're going to do this the easy way or the hard way. I am recording for my own protection. What are we going to do about this? And he goes, well, come into my office, shut off your devices, whatever. It's like, no, I'm going to leave them running, but I'll gladly come into your office. And we had a conversation. And I, I mean, it's such a failure of an engine. And it's worse if you pull oil pressure data from the first gen on track and the second gen, because there's tons of data on the first gen at this oh, point. Yeah. Yeah. The first gen has better oil dynamics than the second gen. No. And, and I was looking at getting a second gen as my next fun car. And like, even though mine blew up, I thought it was just because of the RTV. Turns out RTV isn't the problem at all. It never was. Did any of these cars have a baffled oil pan or a bigger oil pickup? So, one of them had the Gretty baffle. Yeah. G-Ready, mm-hmm. however you pronounce it. And then Killer B comes out, and they were already developing one. They got, what... with, they got with 900 BRZ, who I, I wish I knew his name. Wait, can you look up his name so we can give yeah. him credit? We'll get that. Um, I got it. But... They give him the new pan. He goes and does a track day like yesterday or the day before. It's not much better. It's not much better at all. And that's insane. And to top off the news, uh, Coda, what was it? Three Mm. of the GR Cup cars. So this this message got leaked from uh, GR. So you know how they have. So you know how they have the eight six Cup. Yeah. You can buy a factory GR eight six race car and race it. And race it. Yeah. This message got leaked from a gr86 cup engineer and he goes toyota is really twisting our arms on this and we're not allowed to say anything but three of our cars blew up on the first day of coda what three Three of their cars blew up cup cars so factory factory cup cars with everything done eighty five thousand dollar cup cars and they blew up blew up first day First day of Coda. So this, and Coda's not even a heavy load. Uh, this guy's Instagram that Dylan is talking about, 900BRZ, he does not have his name on his Instagram page. Okay. Well, shout out to Mr900BRZ. Where's he from? Uh, Bay yeah. Area, California. Yeah. And, and, you know, Brent, and he has uh, a YouTube channel. Breakfast Kev, which is the one that we all follow. He He's the one that I think works for Titan mm-hmm. Wheels or with Titan Wheels. Um, he's going to sell his 8.6 now. He's like, I, I can't drive my car and enjoy it. I've seen where he's been looking at... Uh, Mustangs recently. We talked about the Boss 302 yesterday, <laughs> and he was like, I, I told him, you know, about what that might look like, but mm-hmm. I said, I would rather deal with potential transmission issues on an M, what is it, the MT82, the Mustang, versus my brand new car blowing up and potentially not getting warrantied. And I have another guy out there that I talk to a lot. He just got a fit based off Ashley's fit, by the way. Oh. And he's parting out his GR and picking up an Elantra in. That would be interesting. 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And I don't know if you saw the Savage Geese, the quote-unquote shitbox shootout. Mm-hmm. And it was like GR Corolla, FL5 Type R, Elantra N, 
Uh, the they had an STI S two hundred nine, the ninety thousand dollars. Yeah, I was gonna say that was like, a, and it blew yeah. up on the <laughs> second lap. <laughs> what are and, people doing, man? <laughs> and then it's a Subaru, and and so that prompted me looking at instead of building a K eight six, what car would I buy that has a good warranty and a reliable engine? And I'm not gonna say it because when it seems like whenever I say it, I always end up changing my mind. Yeah. But but yeah, so Toyota drops the new Truino eight six and. It still has eight six problems. Yeah, you think after what ten years they would have this thing? Yeah, eleven years under yeah. the under the thumb by now. Especially with the uh, what we're going to next is the new editions getting ready to come out. Yeah, and it's not just the GR eighty six that's getting a revamp; it's the whole GR line. So we're getting the Torino, right? We're oh getting, no, I'm not excited about that. I'm excited oh, about the other thing. Oh yeah, we're getting the Supra. No, nope. we're getting the Corolla. There it is. Yeah, the Corolla is pretty. That blue flame? The blue blue flame. Did you see what they did to the back seats on that? Which, granted, they're small, but they took the stitching to the back seats. It's like blue stitching, and you have, like, leather on the, I guess, outer part of the seat. Like, not the physical outside, but, like, what would go around your butt and legs. And where your butt and legs and shoulder blades touch, it's all microfiber suede. It is a pretty car. It is. It is. is And it's on the Circuit Edition. And they originally, when they released this, said, the GR Corolla last year, they were like, we're only making 1,450 circuit editions. That's it. Yeah. And then they come in this year, they're like, so we're going to make 1,600 more of them. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, always fight your markups. If you're looking at these cars, don't pay more than like five grand over. Yeah. If they're out there, you just got to find them. Yeah. That's going to be hard. But yeah, shout out to Toyota. I mean, and they seem to be handling this wrap with the 8.6 pretty well. You know, they had this happen. The Subaru rep comes out, pretty much blames the drivers. And then Toyota announces, well, the next 8.6 is not going to be developed with Subaru. Yeah. But Subaru has to finish out their contract. So they might end up building 8.6s in their factory that they don't even have a hand in anymore. (laughs) And one thing about it, too, is I like the fact that Toyota is acknowledging this. It's one thing for a motor to blow up, but it's different. It's like you have an F-824 blown up and then take a B-58 and a Super blown up. I mean, they're building these F-824s for dimes a dozen. Yeah. They're cheap. You know, everyone knows that they're not much different than what's originally out of the F-820. Just stuff is beefed up and bigger. Well, yeah, yeah. and they're not even building them. That's a, It's Subaru's thing. Yep. Just imagine. Imagine if Toyota said, that's it. We already have an engine. Let's turn our G16 three-cylinder from the GR Corolla sideways, put it longitudinal, because it's transverse right now in the GR yep. Corolla, put it longitudinal and put that in the 8.6. That is a modern-day S15, and I, God, I wish they would do that. That would be an awesome, like, 2025, this is it. I would yeah. pay I would pay 45 grand for that car. It, it would be super similar to the 2-liter Supra, but better sight lines. The car would still be lightweight, probably be about 2,800 pounds. I mean that's a modern S15. You're making 300 probably, horsepower. Probably weigh a little bit less because I mean, you think the the F824 is a heavy engine and F820 they're heavy engines, but you go three cylinder, but then you add a turbo and add an yeah, intercooler and true. add yeah. piping. That's true. So it, I, I don't know. It might weigh the same. It, and the 86 is 2750. Yeah, I think it would be around the same weight. Ima- imagine that 2750, 300 horsepower, and 279 pound feet of torque. Dude, that would be a riot. The car itself is supposed to be really cheap, real-drive fun anyways. Yeah. But having that future technology with the hybrid technology developed into that, that would be, like, 
really cool, and it'd also be like, man, you're taking the analog out of this car. It would yeah. be like turning the Supra into the LC500, almost. Mm-hmm. Like, the LC500 is a cool cruiser, and it looks neat. The really long two-door Lexus. Uh, yeah. But, like, it's not a dynamically appealing car. Yeah. It's thick. But, yeah. So, the thing with, like, <laughs> with Toyota not developing these cars along with Supra anymore, like, like Dylan said, if they take the, the three-cylinder turbo out of the GR Corolla... <sighs> And put in this eight six like they are. They don't have to develop a new engine or make a new engine. Also, keep in mind they already have a really good relationship with BMW. Yeah, yeah. and BMW is not making manuals anymore. Imagine if they got the B forty eight from oh, the two O Supra, yeah. and you put a manual on that. The manual from the M two. It'd be it probably be too expensive, but if you could get the manual from the M two, or they take the manual from the, the trans from the manual Supra and put that with better gearing yeah. and an eight. That'd be nice. Yeah, that would be great. But the 8.6 needs some adjustment, right? It's almost like the KA 240s. Right. Like, they just need a better engine. Yeah, Except KAs say, yeah, don't blow up better, as much as FAs do. Yeah, they need a better engine. <laughs> yeah. But Hard body blows. motor. Hey, speaking of Nissan, what about the new Nismo Z? Only automatic, though. Boom. Only automatic? Boom. Only yeah. Automatic. Only automatic. And oh, also, on, their man. automatics are recalled yeah, right now. They're coming out of park. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Wasn't the, the manual transmission? The manual transmission is also yeah. That's probably why they're not putting it in the Nismo. But imagine yeah. your best car having an automatic. Your flagship sports, sports car. car. And even BMW, at least they had the gumption to be like, here's our M2. We know it's ugly. We know it's heavy. But it's getting our last manual transmission. Yeah. And that's it. Which, God, that is so sad. Mm. It's future. At least we'll have DCTs, though. Nope. So, no DCTs? Nope. So, I had this pulled up on my phone prior. Where'd it go? So, um... We're screwed. Dirk, yeah. Dirk Hacker, head of development at BMW M, has confirmed the double clutch is gone. It's now manual or automatic and automatic electrified for the future. So there is wow. not even... Well, why put a DCT in a car when you can just put the ZF8 speed in it? Yeah, and then put mm-hmm. a... And it's cheaper. It's cheaper. And you I, put a computer in it that makes it shift just as fast. Yeah. Right. And so, like, unfortunately, like we were talking earlier before the podcast about the economy and everything, like, manufacturers are probably going through some of the same stuff and they have to save money. So if BMW can say, well, the ZF8 speed and the Super is working, let's just take... A variant of that. The ZF has been around long enough. Mm-hmm. Let's put it in some of our other cars and it's cheaper and people just want zero to 60s, it seems like. Yeah. So. so, what does Mazda do at this point? What, what do you think their next plan is? They just put an inline six in their CX90. Yeah, oh my God. A turbo. Oh, oh, the. the it's a turbo inline six, isn't it? The hybrid rotary thing is. Oh, yeah, yeah I forgot that, about that. Yeah. Oh, the coming. MX30, yep. their little crossover, it's a hybrid yep. rotary. I wonder, like, if you suck can, this. Like, I wonder if you can use like the housings on those. You can. They're made in the same factory. Yep. Are they? I don't know if they have the same specs. Probably not. But the you know how, they, how they've had the rotary factory? The res- are you talking about where they started? Ma- they've they, they've they never stopped. The remakes? Yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. just started restarted but mass remaster. I'll tell you this. Reman Motors that are from Mazda, I've watched some horrendous videos. You buy a from factory Mazda motor <coughs> and it is, you, you might as well tear it down. I've seen videos where people like all people pull the uh, like the rear housing off and like mm-hmm. the apex seal come out with like it's like they're oh. it's like they're not even trying putting, like yeah they're yeah. not even trying like packing any, peanuts in yes there. yeah so it's at this horrible. point 
I, we didn't really have this planned to talk about, but at this point, if you're shopping for a new car, what do no. you go? What What do you go get? Where do you go? Yeah, you what? can't go get a manual Corvette. Used no. cars are more than new right now. Yeah, it's like well, Wade and I were talking about him potentially getting a new a second gen eight six, a a used eight six like a twenty two sells more with twenty thousand miles. Yep, is more than costs more than a new one. Yeah, because you're gonna wait. 12 to 18 months for a new one. Yeah. So the cliffhanger news is I was selling the Supra. I was going to go trade the Supra uh, last Sunday on a 10th anniversary 8.6. I hate that orange. Before I could get to it, it was gone. Um, but what sold me on it was the price of $35,000. But you look at anything that I can go out and get used, it's $38,000. Yeah. It's like my dad just got lucky with the one that, with the 23 Beersy he just bought. He just picked it up Saturday. He's paying after taxes, financing, everything. This is including financing. 33, 34? It's not bad. Not bad at all. What's up with dads buying BRZs? I know. <laughs> yeah, so, so, like, my, my brother, <laughs> like, driving my first gen so much, he went and bought a 23 uh, second gen. So your brother has one. My brother has a second gen, yes. They have two one. new gens yes. in their family. I, I currently, in my driveway right now, have one first gen, which is mine. My brother has his new second gen, and my dad has his new third gen as well. Dang. And we got three old gens. <laughs> yeah, and they've got three old gens. I just thought if you want to go buy a manual car that you can drive every day, that's still fun. The Type S just came out. So Shout out Honda for still making manual cars. I know we didn't even talk about bringing a lot of these topics that we're talking about now into it, but did you see the last Mule Evo? The, the what? The, the what? The thread Evo? on that? Did you see that? The what? It was an Evo 10. It was a mule car from Mitsubishi America. Wait, the Evo 10, the one that came out in 2009? Yeah, the yeah, last The last, the last yeah, one they made. Yeah. It was a white one. It was a mule car that 4B11T was the engine in that. They had to crush it. No, I'm saying the. Oh, you're saying what was in the last gen? Yeah, the Evo 10 had the 4B11T. Yeah. So they why did they have it? to why? crush this car? Because it doesn't have a certified VIN yep. in the United States. Oh. So what they did, they went out, and I need to pull it up. It was actually kind of a sad article. They took it around the desert, did some rally stuff with it. Oh, man. Um, they drove it down the highway and stuff, and he was talking about the review. Um, and then two hours later, crushed it. That's why I want a GR Corolla. I was talking to a friend of ours. Um, do you know the guy with the white kooky S14, Andrew? Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. So he was looking at a GR Corolla and he goes, Hey, I know you guys did. I feel like you're going to hear the cicadas in the podcast. Oh, yeah. We are recording yeah. outside, by the way. It's so, human. It's kind of ambient noise. Yeah. It is. So. But I was talking to him and he goes, You drove a GR Corolla. You drove a couple. What did you think? And I was like, It has the size dynamics of a Fiesta ST, but the characteristics of an Evo. And it's not as like, you know, bang it, like kill it and everything. You can't have a modern car like that anymore. Mm -hmm. But I feel like the GR Corolla is one of the last special cars. I will never forget going up to Oak Ridge, North Knoxville. I got in Josh's to, what did I do? I was like taking it. I was bringing it down here. Yeah, you was doing something. I I took it to Miltech. That's what it was. And I got in it and I just went first to second in the parking lot. And I was like, that was amazing. (laughs) And... I think the GR Corolla is one of the only cars I would pay more than MSRP. I just said don't pay more than five grand. That's my limit on that car. Yeah. But if I could get a GR Corolla for sub 50, I will pay the money. I don't know. When I drove his, because I drove the same car. Yeah. And now granted, I drove it on basically quarter tires, which doesn't make 
anything better. anything great um but it was cool it was fun but something just seemed missing not there really it seemed fabricated fun I don't know why. Because you drive a Miata. That's about as raw fun as it gets. It's it just, hard. Well, yeah, but like, I mean, I've driven other cars that are, you know, I mean, M2s and 911s and, you know, I've driven a pretty wide variety like you have. And something just felt super fabricated or something was missing. It didn't have an X factor that I look for in a car. Really? It, at I least wish, for me. I wish you could have drove it on the Dragon. When I drove Chris's I on the I drove it at AMP, though. Oh man, and you still, it, you still thought it was missing something? Like, it was fun. I enjoyed it, but it just it didn't it didn't have the something about it just didn't have an X factor. Something I just take That's weird. It's one of my favorite cars made Speaking post of X Factor. Sorry. Go go ahead, Dylan. It's one of my favorite cars made post twenty seventeen. It was a good car. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it was a bad car, but no, no, I know me and it was a lot of fun. I shout out to Josh, thank you for letting me drive it. Uh, wish I knew it had quarter tires. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, but yeah, no, it was, it was definitely a lot of fun. It was, I don't know. It's just, like I said, it's something about, it just didn't feel, it, it felt like a GTI. I'm going to put it that way. It felt like driving a GTI. Are you saying you didn't feel as connected to the car when you drove yeah, it? Yeah, like it just didn't have that X factor. That It didn't give yeah. me that fizzy feeling. Yeah. So but, uh, when I rudely interrupted Dylan just a minute ago, what I was getting ready to say was sometimes when I drove the Miata with the 2.0 and I just mad it and it wouldn't go anywhere, I, I lost all feeling for the car. Oh, you, I get used like, to that. There was, there was no, there was no there, there was no X factor like, like what Austin was saying. But now with this 2.5 in this car, oh, it's there. It's back. It's there. I, I enjoy the car again. I love the car again. That's why I drove it for 2,200 miles in like a man, month. Man sleeps in the car. <laughs> yeah. So while you're on the topic of talking about that, especially with the feeling of it, um, with the Supra, and a lot of, I wish a lot of people, and I could talk an entire podcast episode about this. I wish a lot of people could understand an automatic Supra more than just, oh, we need a manual. You know, the technology for the car, you don't need a manual. Okay. Oh, no, not in no. that car. Yeah, not, not in this that car. car. You, let, you let me drive with that one. I, it, 100%. The, the downfall the, of the GR Supra, in my opinion, especially after owning one for two years, having it on track, having it as a fantastic, it will probably be the fastest production Toge car I ever own. There's something about it. It just does what it needs to do. Yeah, but the bad thing about it is you can go up there and have fun, right? Use the paddle shifters. You can feel the ZF8 transmission just hit instantly, instantly so it feels almost like a dct right and you come home you're just relaxed and you're cruising you still have all your creature comforts but one thing about it i'll take my hand and i'll rub the steering wheel right and that compared to my h6 like when you get done in the h6 you know you're in your fixed seat even when it's stock right you're like, oh, all this is analog over here. I can feel every little bit that's going on the suspension. I can feel the body work when I want it to work. The GR Supra only does that when you drive it to its, not its limits, but past a lot of people's limits that they can even drive a car. Yeah. That's actually what I was getting. That's a really good point is that's almost why I prefer a 3 Series M3 to an M2 and a Supra. 
He's, expound, expound on that. I'm not following. So the reason being is because of what he said about you have to drive the car like pretty much on the knife's edge to get it to feel that certain way. Where the M3, you could drive like a 7 tenths and it's like... Wait, what? specify what gen? I'm confused. Like a G80. So a new one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like and I, I, I drove David's manual one up on the Dragon for yeah. a day and a half. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like that generation, you can drive it like a 7 tenths and it feels fun. It feels genuinely fun. M2s, don't get me wrong, they feel fun, but they, you have to drive them on the knife's edge and super, like... It's a soup. you have to do this it, balancing It's act. twitchy. Let's put it that way. It's so, a very twitchy car. So I think that's why I like the GR Corolla, and keep this in mind too, Austin, of how much I liked both my Fiestas. Mm-hmm. I bet you I'm getting a nostalgia hit from it when mm-hmm. I drive the GR Corolla, but the, what makes the Fiesta so good is that you will drive that thing at 15 miles an hour... And you're like, this is such a blast. This is awesome. And you're going <laughs> in traffic, like just bumper to bumper, and you're Sneezy. having, yeah, and you're just having fun. And the Jira Corolla, I drove it through the parking lot. I had fun. I drove it down to Miltech. I had fun. Chris let me drive his on the Dragon, and it was an absolute blast. And it's one of the only cars that I can drive and be well below my limit and well below the car's limit and still have a lot of fun. Now, people, will, and myself included, will kind of argue the value of like, okay, is this worth $47,000 if you're getting a circuit? It's technically forty four, but yeah. markups. And, you know, is this worth $45,000, right? And so it's... Well, I was going to actually say, to build on that as well, is because Josh's car was on the tires that were on the front that were basically corded, and so it was just terminal understeer no matter how, terminal. No matter how hard you tried to rotate it it wouldn't rotate so i will say that will be a, that may be that reason why it didn't have that x factors because it's really hard to have fun whenever it doesn't matter how hard yeah. you try to get it to not understeer it just continues Still to do so it. oh chris mm-hmm. is oversteered huh chris is oversteered on the dragon yeah so like but, thanks chris <laughs> <laughs> so that might be why it didn't have that x factor for me it's just because i was too busy fighting the car and it just didn't communicate with me yeah uh in that reason so I will say that'll leave that as a caveat. Ooh, speaking of fighting cars on the mountain, seems like a pretty good segue into Pikes Peak. Yeah, just saying. That's yeah, a good. Uh, that's <laughs> this is actually a topic that we were going to bring up. Um, we'll touch base again later on with the the new filling. I, I could talk in an entire episode about the GR Supra and uh, my thoughts on it. It is a phenomenal car. I'll probably have another one in the future. Oh, you're gonna um, eventually get another. It's like I, I think he will. I know he will. Oh, that's cool. Can we? Yep. Can we'll we talk, talk about? about that. <laughs> just, I just want to go ahead and jump straight into this. Can we talk about the Ford Bronco that ran Pikes Peak? A Bronco. There's a Bronco. There was a. It was an old one, like an a old 90s one. gen Bronco. Bro. <laughs> what? Let me see. So turn, for people, turn that picture towards oh me. my gosh. gosh! Wow. So for people that can't see this, this is a slammed Bronco with full wing splitter. It, it really is, doesn't even look like a Bronco. It doesn't. I thought it no. looks like a Blazer. I, yeah. yeah, I thought it was a Blazer. I, when I first, when I first saw it on the live stream, I thought it was a Blazer. This thing has a window net. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a fully caged gutted <laughs> that Bronco. That is sick. Uh, I will give a shout out to Cole Powlison, who you, Wait, runs what? Life Motorsports, mm-hmm. that has the crazy Global Time Attack GTR Wait, that they the G- wrecked. Yes. They yeah. wrecked it? Well, you know what happened after they wrecked it, right? Is that a Nine Lives Wing? I don't think so. It looks... So the pylons look similar. Are you talking about the, this car? After they wrecked it, 
it now uses a 6.9 liter turbo diesel V8 power stroke. What? Oh my god! From an old F series. Oh my god! And the it, GTR? Yeah, and it ran about a 10 minute up the mountain, which is incredible. Oh my god. Wait. 10, 10 minutes minute up the mountain 10 minute total time not sector time total time oh was it, saying, it was a a 10 um yeah and it's a turbo diesel liter v8 <laughs> power turbo stroke. diesel yeah <laughs> did you see the winning run that went up in the uh i think it, was, it looked like a formula car like it was oh yeah it was like an lmp3 car right dude that thing did you watch the actual run of that video mm-hmm. no dude that thing and he said it. I knew as soon as he got out of the car, they were like, "How was the run?" He was like, "It was terrible. Like he was having some issues. Like the car, the car. I don't know if it, the tuning on it was off or something was bad because he would go into these uh, like the real tight hairpins, and he would start going down like downshifting, and the car was just like lugging almost. It was just like, really? it was, like it was struggling to just almost run. It seemed like, and I don't know if that's because. That's the thing with Pikes Peak is you have to kind of build your car around, like, do you want it to perform better on the lower end or in the top half yeah. right. when the air starts getting thinner, I guess. But, yeah, he was he was having issues the whole run, but he still still won't end up making the fastest time. But, geez. Speaking of diesels, I wanted to just give another shout-out to um, Gregor. I don't know how to pro- properly pronounce his name, but um, I met him actually at the Dragon Hill Climb a few years back running a diesel bug. Wait, is this the guy that flew his truck off the side of the mountain and almost died? Y'all heard about that, right? Oh, yeah, the old I'll, truck. I'll let Austin finish, but I have a I thing. don't think so. I don't think it's the same person. Uh, okay. But anyway, this guy makes, like, diesel conversions, uh, like, TDI conversions for the Vanigans and Eurovans and stuff like that. Cool. Super cool dude. Like, one of yeah. the nicest guys I've met up on the And hill. he competed? Uh, he's, he um, set the new diesel uh, uh, Pikes Peak record. Yeah, okay. At 10.25. That's Cole's... GTR as well ran a 1025. Hmm. Well, there you go. Um, so, kind of touching on the mountain and and something I wanted to get into. It made me think about some events that have happened and transpired in the past. Um, there was a turbo diesel truck that it's like an old truck. I don't. I think it's based on a Ford or something. But he suffered a brake failure going into one of the tightest corners, the one where the Evo wrecked, the Evo 9, and like flew off and rolled. And his truck didn't fly off and roll. It flied off and went, flew off and went straight down. And it landed on like where a hood ornament would go. And he went down, I think it was like 110 feet. And he hit nose first and he walked away. He had a, he had an 18 point cage. Hans, harness, halo seat, and full fire suppression. Obviously, they require a ton of safety, right? Yeah. And he hit, and there you should see the pictures of it. If you look up, like, like diesel, diesel truck bad. wreck, Pikes Peak, it looks like he should have died. Wow. The truck looks like it has no front end. And that just goes to show, like, there are people with decades of racing experience that get lost in these turns, and it doesn't matter... If you're going up to the Dragon to make a pass on your Miata, you just won eight swapped. Or if you're going to Pikes Peak, bro, you never know what could happen. And you should definitely invest in safety. Oh, yeah. 100%. And we're talking about these modern cars and how they might not be as fun to drive. But I have seen firsthand how an accident in a modern car can save someone's life. To where if that person had been in an NA Miata, they would be dead. And I know not everybody can afford a modern car, but I just want to give a massive shout out to safety. And I always want to mention that because 
I'm sure there are some of us that wouldn't even be in this room if it weren't for modern safety. Well, so the difference between no airbags and a car with like curtain airbags, phenomenal. Ten out of ten. Structural rigidity <laughs> of a new car is very crucial. Oh yeah. yeah. There, I have seen instances where eight sixes have been wrecked, and if it would have been an S two thousand, that person would be dead. We got lucky with uh, one of our buddy uh, Luke flipped his Miata. He it had a roll just bar. right. He had a roll bar, but it, but it landed just right. But it landed right. on an angle on the side of the road. So mm-hmm. it landed just right. If it landed any further up, it would have crushed them. Crushed them. Yep. Yeah. So everyone likes going fast and stuff, but dude, if it if it takes you half a day to pull off your calipers and make sure all your braking stuff is working fine and that your suspension's and not windows. blown apart or anything like that, just you know, spend a little bit extra time. That uh <laughs> That wreck really opened up my eyes a lot, and I was like, I don't want to see anybody else, you know, having off because all that took was if it was somebody on Blood Mountain going one ten, and all of a sudden they had a brake failure. That's way different. That's like car in the rocks. One so. thing that wasn't a failure, we did get the C. Leah block. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. yep. In the Pegasus. That was sick. That was very. The I, same I saw that photo. Run. The middle finger. Yeah. The middle yeah, finger. That was what, awesome. Larry Chin, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's so like. That's one of the only people I've ever... Did you see the amount of phones as that car was coming up? It was, I, yeah, it was crazy. I imagine. Yeah. Kim Block's death was one of the only deaths recently that I have, like, cried, cried over. He did so much for us, and it really makes me happy to see his daughter carrying on his legacy. Yeah, yeah she rips, dude. She yeah. She does all the rallycross stuff. And, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Another girl that carries on the legacy is Lonnie Unser, Bobby Unser's... Um, niece she works for works with Haggerty. yeah oh really That's yeah true. she is extremely nice she's who set me up to meet the vice president of ferrari really yep <laughs> she set up that whole thing that's cool she but, yeah. is uh, an extremely extremely nice human being and it was cool seeing her run the integra oh yeah no so i yeah. think it's cool that you know she's living on the unser legacy mm-hmm. it's really really cool yeah i'm seeing a lot of i was talking to somebody so i was at a pontiac convention today which is like boomer city and yeah. <laughs> uh, a guy came up and asked me, he goes, you know, it kind of makes me sad because I grew up, he was like 70, 80 years old. He's like, your generation loves these JDM cars and wants to own them and wants to see them go on. But I grew up around this. I caught the first wave of this. And now I'm seeing kids go buy Supras, like Mark IV Supras, instead of like old like GTOs or whatever, yeah, old Pontiacs. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, it makes me really sad. So he's like, can you kind of inform me on some demographics that you might see in Haggerty to where you're seeing certain generations buy certain cars. And it was like really sad, but it makes me happy because I actually did look at the demographics and the metrics and a lot of like our generation, like the 22 to 32, they're still buying older cars like pre 80. Now they're buying a ton of the newer stuff too, but they're, they are still buying. It's like a, 2% difference in boomers and the cars they own. If you break it down by like pre 80 JDM exotic post 2010, um, it's only like a 2% difference between like Gen Z and boomers. There's tons of obviously in the middle, but it, uh, he, it was like really heartfelt to hear him be like, dude, I don't want to see this go away. He's like, I don't have a whole lot longer, but you know, I really like coming to this, this show and this convention. It's like the biggest Pontiac show in the U S mm-hmm. and he's like, I, he he cried so my agent that i have working at has this like the one that i showed you guys in the group chat the super rare whatever thunder road or something firebird yeah uh, super duty firebird yeah so and not like ford super so duty so those are actually 
So my stepdad was super hardcore Pontiac guy, so I know yeah. just really obscure knowledge. Um, so those are really, really rare cars. Yeah. Um, he actually had two booster green ones, uh, which I hate that I know that color so well. <laughs> but, <laughs> Boomer green. Uh, yeah, booster green. <laughs> booster green. But uh, yeah, Boomer no, they're super rare cars and really, really cool. But the guy that was asking me all these questions, he saw that car and got extremely emotional because he's like, I never thought I would see one in person. And as I was like sitting there watching him really just like glow from looking at this car, I was like, dude, that's going to be us with our 34s and S15s and these cars that in like 30 years, we're going to go to a show and it's going to be all these hybrids and EVs and all this stuff. And we're going to see this Midnight Purple, this Millennium Jade R34 or a Mark IV Supra or this white on white FD or something. And we're probably going to get emotional about it. I'll tell you what, man, especially nowadays... The car enthusiast market and just the culture itself. If you're not brought up on cars, I feel like if you're brought up on cars, you have a better understanding than a lot of people are like, oh, that's cool. There's a lot of people going to the streets doing slideshows and stuff, right? And they're getting into the wrong area. Yeah, completely, 100%. right? They're starting off in a real bad boat. But, you know, like us, we're a Toge podcast. Uh, we talk about everything motorsport, right? But in the garage, beside as much as we love JDMs, we literally have two icons we have an 87 monte carlo and a 91 camaro um two mullet machines they're both <laughs> yeah. extremely well taken care of oh, these and things are very mint. clean yeah, yeah these yeah. would be like if they were with Haggerty, they would probably be almost concourse level condition yeah, yeah. yeah they're clean we open up the door and it Haggerty. smells like mullets and not really cigarettes but like you just it, it feels like, like you're going to the drive-in or something like that. Yeah. Well, well, there's a there's an aura that these cars literally have, right? as soon as you open that door, it just hits you in the face. It's like yeah. I'm 80s. in 1980s. And I'll be honest with you, that's something that a lot of those old American cars they just have a certain smell to them. Like even my Javelin, like it just has that particular mm-hmm. smell yes. and like yeah. feel to it. And even though that car's an automatic, it still has that analog feel to it. Even like it's. And I feel like at the point to where, you know, we were talking about the newer cars what's going on right now um and like these cars that are beside us these cars came from a really bad time in american history yeah. but we still got them and we didn't get them how we wanted to get them but we might be seeing that here soon you know we might be getting these cars that are limited production mm-hmm. limited horsepower right yeah. but they're still making them i mean look at it the crazy part about the the second gen 86 to me i was reading about this in europe they already pulled them from production because the windshield cowl sits too low that they can't see traffic lights and it's a safety hazard and they're not emissions friendly enough. And so they are pulling the car and they're going to bring it back when Toyota drops whatever their hybrid one six turbo yeah. thing, whenever that comes out. But they already pulled the eight six and those cars are going for like 50 grand now. Wow. It, but Europe? it's it's yeah, it, it's why I like the Gira Corolla, because I think it's one of the last of its kind. Yeah. And I mean, the eight, six too. I mean, it, it, you know, it, it does get me emotional. I, I know that there's enough people and genuine car enthusiasts, not just car people, but car enthusiasts to keep this stuff alive. Right. That we're going to see on the mountain pass that we're going to see at track days. But like these new cars, it's so few and far between to where you can get in one of these and say, I, I remember driving. Like, I, when I drove Wade's Supra, I t- I've driven it a couple times. I can drive your Supra, go to dinner, and forget what it felt like. Yep. Every time I drove my 8.6, it sat with me for hours on end. Like, that night that you and I drove together, 
I'm never going to forget that. And I couldn't do that in a Supra. I couldn't do that in an M2. Like it's, it's, there are certain things and certain cars that have the special characteristic that just can't be replicated. And I was going to bring up when it comes to the filling of these newer cars too, out of the entire GR lineup, which I've not been able to, I've not been fortunate enough to drive a GR Corolla, um, but I have been able to drive, you know, the Supra, I own the Supra, and then the GR86. And I'm telling you, when it comes to feeling like how analog should feel, even with new creature comforts, the new GR86 is like, regardless of what the motors are doing right now, you get in it and you're like, I can have a memory in this car. Oh, yeah. That's why I want a K-Swap one. You, it, I, and this is why I wouldn't mind spending, you know, I think it's like 52 grand to finish, to finish that car because that's a car that, I mean, a K-Swapped 86, I mean, I would aim 2,400 pounds, 300 horsepower, manual, NA, rear-wheel drive. I mean, that's like last of its kind, man. But speaking of last of its kind, oh, that oh, is so sad. Dude, that makes me sad. Talk about that. So I'm showing him as he was talking. Uh, it's Road and Track magazine. Um, is When we were talking about the Mitsubishi earlier, uh, this guy has wrote a great article over it. But I was showing him the pictures of what it looked like before it got crushed. Oh, that's was, pretty. It was still brand new because it was a mule car. It had miles on it, obviously, but it was the last brand new United States it was the it was like a, a test car, right? Yep, a mule just car. A, a mule car. Yep. Yeah, that's um, ridiculous. And so they had to crush it because it's not a VIN car. In pearl right? white, too. Man. And so they had to crush it because it didn't have a VIN, which yep. is what all manufacturers do with their cars, right? All and, their mule cars. Yeah, and uh, so they had to crush it, and so it, they kind of like sent it out. It's almost like, and if you've ever had to put down an animal, I know you know what this feels like, <laughs> but you take it out on its like last day, right? Yep. Yeah. And, it, oh, sorry. And so what Wade was sharing earlier is that they took it out. They did road course stuff with it. They did rally stuff with it. And they sent this car out on like a last goodbye. And it's so sad to see something like that happen. Final edition. Lancer Evolution. Model off the line. Zero, 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 zero. Wow. And they did all that. And right after they were done, they had to crush it. This is a right before I know you guys. You need to look up this while you're listening to the podcast. This is the last thing they did to it. They gave it its last rally. That's awesome. yeah. That is a beautiful so. shot. <laughs> Sick. And then they... I wish they still made cards, man. Good ones, I should say. Good, yeah. yeah. Michael, what you were saying about the guy that was at the Pontiac and stuff, I think the reason, like, a lot of people our age don't go into, like, I guess, like, the muscle cars, like, the... I guess the obtainability of those kind of cars. Like, now, yeah. most... Only muscle cars are around they're like they're pretty expensive and it's easier for a kid that's like younger like 20s to 30s to go out and buy a miata or something like that or, or something or a brz or, or something like that and, and they just get it into the scene yeah to get in yeah. the scene and like a lot of us were i mean i'm sure everybody in here was brought up on like need for speed and fast, fast and furious and all yeah. that stuff people like, that, like in the car community jokingly call us the fast and furious generation right yeah because that's what you're brought up on yeah yeah that was a lot of, like, people, especially people, you know, our age, that's what got them into the car scene. And I can literally culture. remember uh, me and Corey Adams. Like, he's he's kind of the one that got me, like, I guess, like, into cars, I guess. Because he, he was, he was, he knew a lot about cars at Still a young does. age. Still does. He's yeah. crazy smart. And he, from a young age, he knew all this stuff. And I, I didn't know anything about cars. And he was like, dude, have you seen that new game coming out? And I was like, what game? And he was like, it's called uh, Need for Speed. 
And I was like, I've never heard of it. And I can, I'll can, i never forget it was on Valentine's Day. My mom had got me that game. She Aww. put it in the bottom of a bag and covered it with, like, the you know, like the thin paper? Yeah. Like, yeah. So, like, there was, like, candy or whatever. I was probably, like, I, it was whenever the game came. I was super young. <laughs> and I pulled all the candy out, and she was like, is that everything in there? And I was like, what do you mean? I looked, and I pulled that paper back, and that game was in the bottom. And I we played that game all freaking night. Like, I'll never forget <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, those, like, ex- experiences like that, and I'm, I'm extremely thankful for – you know, and I and I know there are like kids our age that their parents have Mustangs and Camaros, and so they grow up in it, which is good that they're keeping it alive. But definitely for me, you know, all the people that I get to talk to now, I get to be here on a podcast with you guys. Like I grew up bullied, alone. I didn't have fuck all for friends, and I'll never forget meeting Forrest for the first time. And I had like I had had up my few kind of sporty cars. I had like an Eclipse and a bunch of stuff. But when I moved to Atlanta from Texas, I bought an 8.6. I was going to slam it and put 18 by 11s on it. <laughs> and, uh, and when it was still stock, I went and I met up with Forrest and some people from a club called 86 Atlanta. And they went up through Blood Mountain, up to the Dragon, and then back down through Blood Mountain in a day. And I remember driving through that and I was like, for the first time in my life, I feel like I fit in. Yeah. And that's that is something that Thankfully, no matter what you drive, you can have that experience. So I know we kind of rag on like the newer cars and whatever. Dude, don't hate what you drive. Be in it for the experience. If you drive a freaking automatic Corolla, just go up. Don't cross yellows and be a good person. And your life will naturally find its way. Yeah, People appreciate you too. Mm -hmm. They'll be like, hey, that's the, like, even, you know, fast is one thing. But like, if you're at the overlook, you're waiting on your boy to come through, you're like, oh, yeah, he has a fun time in that thing. It's not fast, but he has a great time coming yeah. around in an S10. Well, it's like, dude, I took the Tiguan up there last weekend. Yep. I had an absolute blast, right? And it's just part of the reason I like to go up on the hill now, even versus when I had made six a couple months ago, is like now it's the people that drive me up there. The The passion follows the drive. I, I don't even go up there to even – drive anymore i just go up there just, just to see hang people out. and yeah. hang out yeah and if, if you have a run with your friends it's like that day i brought my boss yeah. up and we had like 29 yeah. people out there yeah, that, was- that drive was awesome and it was and so you know i know we're talking about cars and favorites and automatics and all this but you know drive what you drive enjoy it if you get the chance to go out in the mountain pass just consider yourself lucky mm-hmm. if you're out there at a track day at a car show you know, consider yourself lucky because this stuff's not going to be around forever. Nice. These communities are getting smaller and smaller. And so the one thing that I don't want to see us do is, you know, only the eight, six guys run together and only the FD guys run together. It's like, you know, we're all we're all in this for the same reason, because yeah. for a lot of us, this is the only place we fit in. I think that the community isn't getting smaller. Really? I think that social media makes it feel smaller. Hmm. Because you always get the highlight of the negatives, no matter what, news, anything. So, like, you, when you're on Instagram, you'll always see, like, <laughs> you'll always see, like, you know, all the shutdown, the street takeovers and shutdowns yeah. and whatever idiot stuff they're up to. So, that's what you see. But you go to a lot of shows, and, you know, I also go to quite a few shows, and I'll, I'll go and I'll be like, see a ton of people. I mean, look at Caffeine Octane. Caffeine Octane continues to grow. I'm doing wrong. I have my own little things about Caffeine Octane. But at the end of the day, they grew so big that they could, as they, they built a company around it and then bought a racetrack. 
Like, that has to speak for something. Yeah. You know? I will say, so Haggerty, obviously we measure, we care about drivers, right? And we measure a lot of different things. The percent of people driving manual under the age of 30 increased from 11% to 13% this year. So more people are driving manual transmissions. It's good. But, yeah, uh, good. but, but yeah, I, I, and I will agree with you on that, that it sometimes feels like it's getting smaller, but I guess in a, if I look at it in a big scale, like I bet if I looked at all Haggerty's numbers and it's not even the numbers, right? You look at like Harper cars and coffee is getting bigger. It's, car shows it's pop bigger up, every year. Car shows every pop time. up all the time. Right. And they get bigger and bigger and grow and grow. I mean, grid life wasn't a thing 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so. so I, yeah, I I think, I guess it is getting. I think honestly, what it is is it's just it's kind of like stuff that just kind of. I don't want to say expands, but it just kind of moves. Because you got to think like, ten years ago we were de- we were having like meets in Maryville, like at, yeah. the, at the car the the underpass at the underpass. Well, not even the underpass, like in downtown Maryville, like the big uh, the big car uh, parking lot. Like that thing would be full of cars, but yeah. it's not there no more because people have ruined it. But I think it just kind of spurses out, I guess, in certain ways. Or you had, like, uh, Blunt Red Wine. You had those yeah. meats. Blunt Red Wine. Uh, what else was there? I mean, I, like I said, I think I think car culture in general just kind of sprawls out into its own little Sub-sections. niches, I guess yeah. you could say. But, yeah, I, I think one of the big, like, I, I agree with what you say about social media. Like, honestly, like, I mean, social media is good in its own thing, but it, it kind of sucks in a way. Yeah, because on social media, the the main yep. thing that you're seeing, like Austin was saying, is like the takeover shutdowns and just a majority of the bad stuff. Yeah. Use use social media to boost this community, right? If you have the chance, if you like somebody's card, tell them you like it. If someone's being an idiot, try to try to encourage them. Don't necessarily correct them because people usually aren't super receptive to mm-hmm. that. So try to a lot of times people don't want your help, but you know, if you can offer some form of guidance in a very non-confrontational way, do that, invite them out to the past. Maybe they just don't know. I've met a ton of people that cross run white to white and are super ignorant. And I'm like, dude, just, you know, come hang out with our group, hop in my car, ride with me, follow me, you know, and then they end up, you know, kind of, They're, they're super unaware. Yeah. And so they end up kind of coming over to the, the light side. I mean, yeah. They leave the dark side. I mean, hell, I started from muscle cars, and yeah. I'd go up to the drag, and I'd go cross lanes. I can remember. Like that, I yeah. remember first time I met you at the store up there. You and your uh, your javelin. Yep. And yeah, I crossed back then because <laughs> I didn't fucking know any better. And so, <laughs> but you know, I eventually learned and realized I was being an idiot, and you know, like a lot. Spread the good word. I think one final thing that sums up this too, right before we go, is. It's almost like a honeymoon phase, right? You're new, you get into the car scene, you're having the time of your life, right? You start to learn things, you start to figure out things. You go from a 1500 Silverado to a BRZ, and then you start developing more into your chassis, going to track days, enjoying mountain driving, learning more about the community and stuff like that. And you get to the point to where you see other people that are not yet at that stage, and you're like, what is going on? You know, why is this being ruined by someone that hasn't figured this out yet? And I think that is more of a a demographic thing. You look at it. Because, you know, at this point, especially with our motorsport career, we're at the point where we're like, we know what's going on. We know what's right and what's wrong. And what the future of vehicles and different platforms are going to be like, right? 
But when you see other people that are out there that are just getting into it, you're like, what are they this doing? is going to kill it. Yeah. This is it, right? And you start hearing news reports like what Austin's saying. You get you get the good and you get the bad immediately. You never get like what's going on in the past. Go ahead. Be the friend that you wish you had when you were into cars. Right. Be the person you wish you had. I, I now try to like be like that for when people would come up when I was doing the photography stuff for Killboy and would set up my tent. Like Ashley would rag on me for like, why do you have 10 people at your tent? Bro, because I wish I could have gone up to a photographer or somebody when I was new into cars and had a conversation and just felt like I fucking mattered. And my goal when I talk to anybody like the guy today with the Pontiac, I know fuck all about Pontiacs, but you know what I did? I offered to take a picture of him with that thing, and I sat there and listened for at least 30 minutes. Because when I had my new 8.6, and I remember being there, and I was all excited about it and telling people about turbocharging it, and freaking, I was going to gut it and carbon fiber everything. It's <laughs> like, it's just yeah. having someone that listened meant the world. Yeah. And, so, was- and so, if you have that, right, you see these people doing this dumb stuff that you're like i would never yeah you probably would have when you were new if you were in this space now mm-hmm. have a have a different perspective and be the friend that you wish you had when you were younger i mean and, what you brought touched on was great because i mean i can't tell you how many times i've been to store and you see you know the boomer couple roll up on the hog and want to take a picture with the dragon and i always try to go up and be like hey i'll take your picture for yeah. you and stuff like that or you know i've had a couple people who are like oh i really like the car and i'll you know like i've had kids you know like yeah sit in it like you know, yeah. Take the wheel off, put the wheel on. Like yeah. obviously, and get in the car with the wheel take on. Take the wheel off, run away. <laughs> yeah, but like, yeah. but like you know, it's the thing of oh, I could put the steering wheel on the car. You know, it's a whole race car feel. Like, I can put the steering wheel on and turn it, and it goes ding. ding. Exactly. Like yeah. to to a, like a five year old, ten year old, whatever. Wall, or they even, love that. Or even a twenty five year old kid that knows n- no Nothing. one. Oh yeah. Up mm-hmm. at, at the store, I've seen so many people. Like even when when I was shooting pull up to my tent and they're like hey this is my first time you can see how nervous they yeah. are like it's my first time up here i don't really know what i'm doing like what's this i'm like oh dude pull up a chair we'll hang out for an hour like i don't and, and so when you see this type of stuff to everyone out there just really take a step back shift your perspective a little bit and try to be the person that you wish you had when you were younger and try to guide them in the right direction at a at toge fest i played toge taxi and gave you know, quite a few people ride alongs who are new to the thing, and they really didn't. You know, they were new to Toge Fest yeah. and driving up there in general, and they're like, "What's well, a lot? You got to think can, like, can I ride with you?" And I'm like, "Come on, let's go." Yeah, do like a good six tenths pass. Let you know, you know, just keep they, it they real. feel like Scout you know, pace. they feel like they're you know booking it and, exactly, and they're having a good time, and you know, it's it's a good time for everybody. So definitely try to spread the good word, and mm-hmm. you know. Do what you wish someone did with you, like Dylan said. Yeah, be be who you be who you wish you had when you were younger. Be the friend you wish you had. And that's how we'll keep the, the scene alive. Mm-hmm. The scene. Well guys, thank you so much for listening to episode one of the Toge Hour, season three. Um we had a great discussion tonight. We're gonna end it real quick before the fireworks across the street start going off like yeah. the civil war out here. <laughs> um, but guys, thank you so much for listening. Uh, remember Spotify, YouTube. Next week we'll be back on the video camera. You'll see highlights of us on Instagram at the Toge Hours. Be sure to follow the page. We're going to have updates on Save the Toge here very soon. And as always, keep it in the past. We'll see you next time.